Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Just sometimes you just want a bit more valum, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I'd quite like it to be, um, you know, what's the word? Like, um, sort of boosted in some way. Yeah, boosted, leveraged. I'd, um, I'd like, I'd like an increase mm, in the quantity of valum I'm currently receiving. Absolutely, just not enough valum. There's not enough. Um, anyway, we, we'd better better get on with the show. This is Punk Rock Elite, uh, the only podcast about no effects. <laughs> I haven't checked, but it must be. I've not even. I've not. I didn't even look when we started this. However many years ago, months didn't didn't even look to see if there was another one because I thought, what are the odds? Are you looking right now? I am looking right now. <laughs> well, Red There's... Redmond. Red Redmond is looking right now. I'm Eddie French, uh, sending Red Redmond off on wild goose chases. To be fair, it looks like the only other NoFX podcast is Fat Mike's Fat Mike. And that's only vicariously about NoFX. Wait. There's a... (laughs) There's... (laughs) Right. (laughs) Player.fm, which is like a podcast network. Yes. They have a rundown of the best NoFX podcasts. Oh, yes. This is true. I'm looking at it right now. Number one, Punk Rock Elite. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's quite funny because I think the second one is the Propagandy podcast. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. the <laughs> moment. Shout out to Greg. Um... <laughs> like, none of the others are NoFX podcasts, but there is a web page. Saying the best no effects podcast, and we are number one. We are number one. Well, I, I really hope that Greg uh, hears this and uh, proudly proclaims <laughs> Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda, the second best podcast about no effects. <laughs> that actually wonder, works in his favor a lot better than ours, I've got to say. I wonder if we're the second best propaganda podcast. Oh, we, I mean, it would only be right, wouldn't it? <laughs> We've spoken about propaganda specifically nuns. Oh no, no we, we're, we're, we're not listed on that. No. But oh, actually, to be fair, um, <laughs> unscripted moments is the number one propaganda podcast. But oh, then yeah. number two is ju- it's just called propaganda podcast, and and that's the one that's considered the second best no effects podcast. Just propaganda podcast, not to oh. be confused with unscripted moments. I'm sorry, Greg. Um, I'm afraid if you've already been updating your socials. You're going to have to wind that back. I'm so sorry. Because, I mean, if I heard that, I would have stopped listening and just started updating everything. But I I am overexcitable like that. (laughs) Well, there you go. According to Player FM, we are the number one NoFX podcast. Absolutely. I bet bet Joe Rogan's quaking in his boots. We're coming after his crown. Um Oh, I really want to see Fat Mike on the Joe Rogan experience. It's it's a strange that he's not really been included on that yet. I th- I imagine he he has no interest in. I mean, like he doesn't. I don't know. He, he seems to not do like mainstream interviews, right? True, but I think um, I think the fact that he could say precisely what he wanted to would be an appealing thought, and that's yeah. very much the backbone of joe rogan's podcast brand yeah absolutely i mean like i'm surprised more punk rockers haven't been on it but i can't really think of you know like i would imagine like henry rollins 
Like, and I don't know if he's even been on it, but like, the, yeah, you'd have thought that he he'd have been a prime candidate for that kind of yeah. frank discussion, no holds barred kind of thing. Yeah, let but, him talk about you know giving albums to kids in Baghdad or yeah, um, that's that sort of uh, music activism he likes to talk about. Yeah, I don't know if because it sort of started out as I recall, and this is. All secondhand stuff because I've not really followed Joe Rogan's podcasting. I've heard a few of them when there's been people who I've been interested in hearing about, but yeah, I don't care for Joe Rogan's style of uh, interviewing, so I sort of go, yeah, I, I, I won't bother. But um, like normally, it's sort of people who do like hard sports comedians mm-hmm. that Joe Rogan knows as as friends, and then just sort of fringe lunatics to, to, to whom he has given more and more credence to, <laughs> yeah. to their to their swivel-eyed babblings um <laughs> is is loosely what i i i sort of i i say I, I could be wrong i'm sure there are some joe rogan historians out there who could tell me precisely why i'm wrong and a cuck but um Fair enough. So, um, so there you go. That's uh, I'll tell you what. If uh, if that wasn't enough to want my valum pumped up, then uh, then I definitely do now. Uh, what have you What have you been up to, Red? Um, I have been uh, preparing for pantomime because it's I do pantomime every year. Oh, you do. Um, we're currently in the like we, we've cast it. We did a photo shoot uh, a couple days ago. Um, so yeah, we're all ready for Cinderella at the Contact Theatre in Manchester. I'm writing it as we speak. Oh. Uh, well, not as we speak, we're doing a podcast. But um... I was going to say, full attention, <laughs> please. <laughs> we don't ask much from you. Uh, but yeah, just crowbarring in as many silly, you know, universal for all ages jokes that I can find. Um, nice. Into And increasingly, you know, uh, we're trying to add like a, a little bit of a a feminist element to the story of Cinderella. You know, it's not a story of, of why she wants to get married. It's, it's a little bit more, you know, 2023 than that. You know, we're following the, uh, the, the route that Barbie has laid out in front of us. Oh, I see. And this is exactly what Ben Shapiro was worried about. <laughs> what, what we are doing uh, with Cinderella is because we try to like loosely theme the music for each panto. So last year we did like an eighties panto. Uh-huh. So this one, it was. I'm quite happy because it's my idea. We're doing um, all the music will be from female singer songwriters. Oh, okay. So I think that'll be quite fun. We've got some, you know, Taylor Swift, some Whitney. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It's looking the, good. The, the, the plenty of big sing along bangers to to be had from the oh, yeah. female singer songwriter catalog. Absolutely. Hmm. You know, have uh, have Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> um, she, I don't know if she's ended up on the final list, but well, she was long listed though. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Total yeah. Eclipse was was a part of the the mix at some point. Or would that be too much of a, a hangover from the eighties one you did last <laughs> time? Because I don't know the power ballad thing. You might want to distance you. It's tricky. I'm I'm thinking about this like people review records, like mm, mm, derivative of the last one. Oh <laughs> no, Panto reviewers are very much like that they're like they think they're like watching opera or something it's quite funny <laughs> but um there's always room for one power ballad and i can't we, we yeah. were like torn between a celine dion song and mm. 
something from Bonnie Tyler. I can't remember which one made the final cut. Was it um, was it the uh, uh, All Coming Back to Me? Yeah, it was, yeah. Written by the same person, I think. I think it's a Jim Steinman. They're both... Ah! Uh, All Coming Back to Me was originally a duet that he'd written for Meatloaf. Yeah, well, I think it would be performed as a duet. The I think they did just before Meatloaf passed, or it might have even been after, they released a, a duet version, but that was a, a Jim Steinman song originally for Meatloaf. So you're, you're, you're supping from the same well. Yes, very much, very much. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we're a bit busy working on that. Uh, I've got a gig tonight, um, Ooh. at Gulliver's. It's a, uh, like a, a pride gig for, uh, Sparkle, who are a transgender charity organization. Um, obviously it's, it's Manchester pride this weekend. So, uh, and the show's sold out. So I get to headline this, this lovely, marvelous sold out trans show in Manchester Amazing. tonight. And that's uh, Blizzard who are doing that, aren't they? Blizzard yes, it comedy. is. Great, great, great um, comedy promotions group. Um, if you're ever in Manchester and you want to see some great uh, comedy, uh, you know, check out Blizzard Comedy. They run some amazing shows all across the city. Yes, absolutely. And uh, on the day this is released, which is Monday the 28th, Yes. if you listen to this in the morning, then in the evening you can see on uh, Twitch... Mm-hmm. Uh, Blizzard's panel show Avalanche, uh, upon which I will be team captain, guest team captain. That's great. Yes, um, I cannot remember who else is on there apart from David Stanier, <laughs> who uh, who I'm always excited to be uh, to be uh, connected to in any way. I uh, recently went to a music festival with David, who is ah. a fantastic stand-up comedian, Easy. and um, awkwardly, <laughs> so it was a. There's a fancy dress day at Beat Herder, which was the festival we're at, and you have I to saw dress. The photos. Yeah, yeah, right. So you have to dress up as a as the letter C, which was this year. Next year it's going to be D, I believe. But this year was C. I found it quite tricky. Me and Kate went as cheerleaders, and then David also came as a cheerleader but he was like he had a green cheerleaders outfit and we had red cheerleaders outfits so it was kind of like we're in bring it on and we're in rival schools nice i like it that's um that's precisely what you want from beat herder is is bring it on happening over there yes (laughs) i I fear it is oh no so yeah good uh yeah so uh so there's all that um I'm um yeah fuck it if I announce it now then uh, I'll I'll be committed to doing it. I've um I I've this over the next however many months the next year I suppose there will be opportunity to see um my first solo stand up show at various festivals around the UK. Uh I can announce it is called Poser. Yay! Yay! Obviously it is. So uh, if you want to hear any of that, I'll be updating you on where you can come and see that uh, because it's about time I stopped not doing my own shows and started doing them. It'd be good as well. Like you could include that clip that we got of um, from the Frank Carter interview Turn and uh, somehow uh, crowbar that into the show as yeah, there is yeah. mention of poses in that. There is, yeah, absolutely. I'll um, <laughs> depends how desperate I get. If people go, I don't think this one's for real. I go, no, look, <laughs> Frank Turner said the words "very good" after I stopped speaking. <laughs> yeah, 
I use that as my ringtone. Now, I mean, that is you can put that on your flyers, actually. <laughs> very good, yeah. Frank Turner. Very good, Frank Turner. Absolutely, why not? Do you know what people have people have been less ethical with uh, quotation marks? I, 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 I genuinely know someone who, right, one of their press quotes it says something like "A, a Wonderful Way with Words" from the BBC, and they told me. <laughs> Oh, this is all I'm not going to mention their name, so it's fine. No, it's fine. But like, T- tell me after, but yeah, that message, the the wonderful way with words, that was <laughs> a BBC producer texted him that after they were basically having text sex, <laughs> <laughs> and the BBC producer said, "Well, you have a wonderful way with words," and now it's on his posters. I'm like, you can't, you might mate, well just that- say, I, I've just come the bbc that's basically what was said right i mean that is asterisk <laughs> lights cigarette asterisk bbc and that is now if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> like it just goes to show never trust a comedian no <laughs> no absolutely not i mean fuck there are many other reasons not to not just being unscrupulous with quotations that's that's the least of the problems some of these cunts out there have got. Oh my god, I'm wearing a. Uh, I've just seen you're wearing a Dracula t-shirt. And I am I'm wearing uh, Christopher Lee as Dracula on my t-shirt. Oh, how exciting! That's good, isn't it? That is good. So, um, uh, uh, oddly enough, um, my stand-up show poser is not going to be about how I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, uh, even though that last <laughs> section would suggest I was, but uh, I'm not. So um, <laughs> there's something that no um, yeah I I might well there we go very good Frank Turner that's exciting um, was fun Karina Danike yeah I'm just truncating down the thanks for that that was fun email <laughs> I received or we received from her after the interview we did with her so I'm just gonna fill this shit up all over the place you know absolutely yeah Lily from the Mefs. <laughs> <laughs> So super easy, fucking hell! I'm gonna. Oh, this is gonna be so. I'm gonna sell this shit out, right? I'm gonna get back in touch with different uh, festivals and demand a bigger venue. Um, <laughs> while I do that, uh, let's listen to our past selves talk about pump up the valum. Let's. We're entering the noughties, the heyday of Californian punk rock. Nineties is over. How does how does No Effects deal with the new millennium? Mm. Also, mm-hmm. they've just released a new music video that we watched yesterday. Yes, Derby Crashing Your Party. It's good. Um, it is good. It's very good indeed. Um, <clears throat> the first I heard about it was that uh, someone was complaining or sort of man- man- maligning the video, saying, oh, well, apparently Californian punks are rich enough to destroy their own houses for a video. <laughs> And it turns out, uh, no, well, Mike lives in, um, he doesn't live in Los Angeles anymore. He lives in uh, Las Vegas because yeah. that's where the punk rock museum is. And um, according to some eagle eyed viewers, they noticed that the area around his house was already sort of like um, fenced off, like you do when there's going to be a demolition. So clearly mm. the person who bought the property was going to demolish it anyway at this point. Yeah. Mike probably went. Do that instead. Uh, sure, whatever. So, um, a load of punks smash up six flogs, as it was called. 
Yeah, I love that as well. Like uh, yeah. that it's that it's named Six Flogs. Uh, yes, uh, well, it was sort of a commune. There was like um, yeah. Johnny from Old Man Markley, his wife, and their girlfriend um, all lived there, as well as you know a multitude of other people. So it was, uh, but yeah, it's it is a great video. Um, I mean, Mike's acting is. I mean, get. Get him in pantomime, mate. If you want <laughs> yeah. some some good pantomimic acting, um, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. It is very there. pantomime, actually. You're right. It's, it's wild. I mean, I I kept on hearing like swanny whistles and stuff. <laughs> All this stuff, but yeah, great. It's really really fun, and it's um, without giving too much away. Uh, I quite like the song as well. well yes, I it. quite like the song. Reminded we'll me of it. stuff that I enjoyed off of first first ditch effort. Yes, uh, we'll obviously talk about that by the time we get to double album. Yes. But given that we're only at Pump Up the Valum, you don't hold your breath for that one yet. It'll, it'll come, but it'll be a while. So uh, we'll see you on the outro. Yep. Released on the 13th of June, 2000. Mm-hmm. Making this comfortably 23 years old. Bloody hell. I mean, that was just normal flatus, but it did sound like I was sick in my mouth. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, I think, oh, the last Epitaph release from No Effects. Ah, okay, cool. Because at this point, they were doing EPs through Fat, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and full lengths through Epitaph. And then... As I recall, they were like, well, we didn't want to leave Epitaph, but when our contract expired, we didn't renew it. Oh, okay, sure. They were like, Epitaph have been really, really good to us, so that's why we did it that way. So, you know, they only had an album deal with them, so EPs and stuff with their own business, is as is my understanding of it. I could well be wrong. Mm. But... And, so, oh, I know, like I said, this is... Uh... No effects first album of the millennium, but it was like they did start recording it in the twentieth century in like nineteen ninety nine. Yes, they did. Yes, uh, yes, because it was uh, yeah released uh, in June. So yeah, it comes in at thirty one and a half minutes. So sort of decidedly average length for a No effects album. I think it's not the shortest. It's certainly not the longest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it features 14 songs. Uh, none of them crack the three-minute mark. Oh, no, beg your, a theme from a NoFX album does. Um, sure. But outside of that, but that's a little bit different. We'll get to that in due time. Um, everyone does what you'd expect them to, except the only credit for vocals goes to Fat Mike and Spike from Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Oh, okay. So Melvin's credited as guitar and accordion. Hefe is credited as guitar. Because I was once again going to compliment the uh, the harmonies like I did on the last full length that we uh, yep. reviewed, but it's Spike. It is, yep. Yeah. From the from the gimme gimme gimmies, that's cool. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, he's been in the Swinging Utters, Filthy Thieving Bastards, The Revolts, and Uke Hunt, which uh, is a <laughs> ukulele 
uh, I thought you'd just been very rude. And I was being very rude. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> I've just realised what I've said. <gasps> yes, well, yeah, very, very rude indeed. Um, won't get anywhere with that kind of an attitude, I can assure you of that. So, <laughs> so um, could this be much more sonically different from So Long? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, that's a good point. And is that their last full length at this point? Yes, I wow. believe. Yes, um, uh, albums. Yes, so long and thanks for all the shoes was released ninety eight, ninety seven. Sorry, v- very late ninety seven, and pump up the Valum was released mid two thousand. So it's been about two and a half years with the the decline in between, and maybe um, maybe an, something else, seven inch or something out. Because like the decline sounds sonically quite similar to this. Um, this this is the decline is closer to this than it is so long. I think. Yeah, definitely. But like you are right. I mean, like that's a a, a massive change mm. um, from so long to this. I I remember this. I think this was the first No Effects release I bought, like on or very close to release day, because mm-hmm. everything else we sort of. Like was like someone I know, someone I knew had so long. Someone I knew had uh, white trash, uh, punk and Droblick and the live album. And so that was where we sort of all found this. I think I'd bought at least so long and punk and Droblick by this point. Oh, and I had someone had taped me uh, white trash and stuff and listened to the live album a lot. And so this was the first one where, you know. And also, because they weren't releasing singles or anything, it was just like, the new album is out. So you just went and bought it. There was no mm-hmm. hint of what it might be. So, you know, you just go there with your with your money and go and get it from the basement of the Corn Exchange, where there was a really good record shop where the guy went over to the US like three times a year, four times a year, uh, to just br- bring back a load of imports. So I may well have an American version of it. I'll probably get up and find it in a moment. And I remember thinking it was very different. Hmm. And I think it's quite interesting because whilst it must have at the time sounded so different to their previous work, I think this sounds a lot like their, like, I I don't think there's much difference sonically between this and like First Ditch Effort, for instance. First Ditch Effort doesn't have the same level of gain on the guitars the guitars are cleaner on first ditch but um i see what you mean um there's a very notable there is no scar or horns Mm. on this oh yeah and also even the my vagina aside There's not really sort of comedy songs. Now for something completely similar, doesn't sound funny. Yeah, I agree. A uh, theme from a NoFX album is, you know, sort of sort of funny, but also it's not really a comedy song. It's uh, it's the fact that it's got an accordion on it. People sort of go, oh, that means it is a joke song mm-hmm. and stuff. And I don't know whether that's entirely the case. It's it's a little bit of sonic variance 
over an album that sounds very cohesive. It's just a little bit of polka. Sure. You know, when when has that never happened on every punk album ever? But <laughs> but yeah, and and I think uh this and um Heavy Petting Zoo for me uh two of the albums without an absolute banger as the opening track. Yes. But like well, I... I I like Hobophobic. I think it is I think it is good. Um I don't have a problem with now for something completely similar. But you know, with the the No Effects strong opening track game that they've only fumbled twice on what, like fourteen albums or something. So it's not even a you know, too big a deal really. I, I do agree, like it's not like the big um the big banger that sets off a lot of no effects albums but i do think that a short little song like this is a nice way to intro an album and it's you know it is a song that i enjoy i think i think it's a good intro track i prefer it to hobophobic yes so do i um actually do i i don't know um <laughs> but yeah it's um but it's not yeah. It doesn't stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It, it it needs to be the opening track. And if a song needs to be something, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. No, yeah, uh, that's a good point. My own personal thing. It's not bad in and of itself. Um, it would be weird if it was that similar to the intro to Linoleum and for it not to be mentioned. But So it sort of feels like it was written for the express purpose, which I don't know. It kind of feels weird that you would record this album with these tracks and not open with dinosaurs will die which is a real highlight mm. of uh, of this although in fact i think um i think uh what's the matter with parents today is fucking brilliant yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely that's such a good song i've always really really liked that it's so sort of weird but dry anyway let's Take take you back from the beginning. Uh, take two placebos <laughs> and call me lame. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a solid song, and I feel like this is like you know, almost the first full track. You know, the first track yeah. just really feels like an intro track, as you said. Like it, it's kind of there to open the album, but doesn't necessarily stand up by itself. This second track does, and I think yeah. it's a good um, start to like the main meat of the album yeah and it's got that weird little sort of jazz interlude every now and again it does have a fucking ripping solo though so that's exciting yeah and there's a couple bits in this uh album where you know there are suddenly guitar solos which i think up until this point there hasn't really been as much um like i know that there's more in like later no effects there's there's particularly like a couple on couple notable ones on coaster yeah but i i'd say like isn't this like the first time no effects are, are really leaning into guitar solos i know like there has been the odd solo particularly actually in their early work on like liberal animation i, I think this is the first time they let hefe really rip yeah the previous guitarists um uh they i think that they I don't know if they sort of demanded more solos or if they, you know, how how that worked, but it felt like they got so or maybe maybe it was one of those things where um they felt there should be a guitar solo. Mm, yeah, because they all seem to be 
I think they're really leaning into what's serving the song. Mm. Does this song need a guitar solo? No. Well, in that case, we'll leave it. You know, apparently there was um, a big argument when recording Nevermind, when um, the producer or someone else was arguing that Smells Like Teen Spirit didn't need a guitar solo. <laughs> and they said, well, we've, we wrote it with a guitar solo and so it was like well no you don't you don't need that and i think they i think because a producer was like going hey i think it'd be a bit more radio if uh it didn't you know then they went no well we're definitely having one then so (laughs) so i don't know if maybe they they weren't bending you know they weren't sort of thinking in that more conventional way perhaps Hmm. yeah but yeah i think um Yeah, it's weird because there are sort of comedy songs on here, but they're not all songs with like humorous um, elements, like "Take Two Placebos," uh, "Clams Have Feelings," um, all that kind of stuff. Those are songs that are like there is a point to them. They've got joke titles or like funny titles, but there is actually something something a bit more solid going on in there. I think like maybe Fat Mike's sense of humor is probably changing around this point because there are, you know, novelty humorous songs on this album and the upcoming albums, but they're they're in a slightly different tone to previous novelty songs. I this is pure speculation. Speculation siren. Woo woo. It might be that 2000s blink 182 are really really big by now Mm, sure so maybe the more um done a fart and sharted in my skating shorts when i was skating because i'm a skateboarder humor (laughs) might be might have might have soured i not that no effects were ever quite like that but you know what i mean Mm, That, that more sophomoric or juvenile approach to humor might have maybe even subconsciously made him think i don't want to do anything too like too much like that because we're all probably already getting these guys think they're blink 182 have you seen them? you know this kind of they're kind of like trying to skirt in between you know like they're kind of like in between blink 182 and you know bad religion you know they're yeah, they're, they're not completely serious, but they're having a little bit of fun. Mm. But they don't want to be too either side. Yeah, I think sort of you know for for the longest time, people would have compared them to like the Vandals, who have obviously sure. got very very silly um, songs uh, mm-hmm. or silly lyrics, you know. Um, and you know they uh, they I think the Vandals did a whole album called uh, the Vandals play bad original country music. And it was, um, and and it was all sort of country style songs, you know. It's sort of that kind of thing. And then you know, Blink One Eight Two came along, and obviously they've got the the silly fun between the songs, and the songs are a bit more, you know, they have they literally have the word diarrhea in some of their songs. So it's <laughs> like you know, it's that kind of thing. So maybe maybe there's something to do with that, but. Um, 
Yeah, so, but I mean, you know, sort of take two placebos and it's got that sort of little jazz breakdown in it and the wah guitars, which I think, and it's also super fast, which is very exciting. And it's very riffy. Like the the riffs at the beginning of it are very much like that. And so I think they're sort of setting out the stall a little bit with now for something completely similar. Now that's a bit tongue in cheek saying, yep, this is going to sound exactly the same as all our other albums. And it sort of does and doesn't. It sounds like a mm-hmm. lot of their albums rather than one single one. You know what I'm I'm noticing though now when we get to like this point in their discography, because obviously we've we've listened to so many of their albums from start to finish. Yes. And like I feel like every time I sit down and I'm like, no, this is what a no effects album should sound like. And and they're all completely different. But yeah. like they're all I don't know, there's just something that's quite quintessential, again, about this one. But I say that about all of the albums. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is, you're probably very much still right. (laughs) But what's interesting, I've actually just done a little bit of counting. Um, We are at the exact midpoint of full-length album releases. We've had seven before this, and there are seven as of recording after this. Interesting. So this is album wise their midpoint. And I think it's also like the album where look, they've made great albums before this, but I mm. think this is when they can almost take their foot off the gas because they they really know what they're doing. Yes, I don't think take their foot off the gas creatively, but I think they they mm. can they can afford themselves some breathing space to actually do to, to or to let themselves do what they know they can do yeah i, f- I, I feel like they're not like still learning at this point and i'm sure they'd claim that you know you, you never stop learning yeah but like it feels like albums up until this point have been a little experimental but now i feel like they kind of know what they're doing maybe maybe i think uh interesting choice to absolutely eschew all scar and horns and stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean given how i always think of uh so long as being very scar heavy it's got their best scar in my it opinion. does yeah i i think so and also the decline was scarless yes it had that sort of little jaunty bit like jink 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 you know like the sort of mr blue sky kind of um feeling bit but that lasted like two and a half bars each time, you know, it's sort of just a little bit of texture. But I think, uh, well, I mean, take, um, so, right. So we got, what's the matter with parents today? Um, which feels very millennium. It's like, it used to be, you know, what's the matter with kids? Kids aren't enjoying stuff. And then in the next album, when we get, you know, when did punk rock become so safe and all of that stuff. Um, but this one is sort of, you know, the parents are behaving more punk than the kids. Punks are finally having kids. And how do kids rebel? They do what their parents don't. But, you know, what if the parents were rebelling? You know, no, I, I think it's a very, uh, I think it's a very good song. I really, really like What's the Matter with Parents today. Uh, and Dinosaurs Will Die. I mean, instant classic? Yeah. Once this came out, it was 
it, it's the longest track on here apart from the theme it's just shy of three minutes it's quite conventional in the verse chorus verse sort of thing and is just about it's mike having a go at the music industry and uh and i think it's brilliant yeah and I, you know like um I, I you know i love the lines in it i love the yeah. uh, you know um, we're gonna make an album with more than one good song yeah um you know uh, this was around the point as well when um i would have been listening to bands like foo fighters who i consider to be a band who puts one good song on an album <laughs> i i was talking to my friend Aaron well, no, about i this. like their first uh two or three but then after that i think they're uh, uh, you know. yeah owen and i we were discussing this the other day we've been talking a lot about music and and stuff like that sort of reconnecting after a very long time and we both sort of said almost sheepishly because it's it's weird to be our age mm-hmm. and go i only really like the first two foo fighters records and after that i find them quite boring with the occasional <laughs> song that i quite enjoy after it and the weirdest bit is that all the foo fighters apart from uh the sadly deceased taylor hawkins all of them were like punk pedigree they yeah. all came from punk bands yeah they came from the germs fear yeah. nirvana no use for a name um sunny day real estate you know all of these like they're all coming out of this thing and they're making some of the most meandering ponderous fucking oh i don't i i don't look if that look they're clearly delighted to be doing it and they're loads of people really really like it so what the fuck do i know but i, I mean, was just like i think when they were out there most popular and selling their most records was like when they were put you know like um one by one was one of the first albums i bought as a kid mm. but you know like hey all my life's great but then the rest of the album <laughs> and they put that at the start as well so it's not like there's much to look forward to <laughs> setting out a very misleading stall <laughs> yeah but it but i mean show me an album that hangs together as well with as many fucking great songs on it as color and the shape mm. you know what it doesn't anyway and enough about them um but yeah so it it's yeah and so that there is a lot of you know oh and because it was very single oriented like yeah. the, the world at the time because like when um i mean we'll use blink 182 as an example because they're fresh in my mind I remember when they released What's My Age Again. Yeah. Didn't do much. They released all the small things. Massive. And then they re-released What's My Age Again (laughs) in the hope of sort of getting that one to climb back up. I'm like, guys, come on. And I know that they were on like a big label and I know that... um, Probably worked. Oh, I'm sure they did. Well, I think they were just like, we already have a single with the video because the What's My Age Again video was just them running naked down the street um whereas the and i think the uh the video of them making fun of boy bands which looking back you think i know they weren't a boy band but i mean you know glass houses chaps you're not <laughs> throwing stones in there but you're you know flicking a couple of pebbles do you know what i mean <laughs> it's like you know you're a boy band adjacent 
um, you know, making fun of all Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and that. I think that had a lot to do with it. If that music video hadn't been so good, hadn't been so sort of effective, I don't know whether that song would have been such a big hit, but... You might be right, yeah. I've done no research to work that out, but um, certainly the video was everywhere. Mm-hmm. They were on. I remember them being interviewed on like T4, which uh, T4 for uh, anyone who wasn't around in those days or is from a different country. Uh, Channel 4, um, because you can count all of the UK channels on one hand. Channel 4 uh, on Saturday or Sunday mornings, it was sort of youth tv it was for sort of not for kids but for sort of teens and so they'd have interviews with music stars and people from you know actors and stuff like that and these sort of teen interest things and so t4 jamie theakston was interviewing them on the london eye or the millennium wheel or whatever you know (laughs) and stuff like that and it's like I'm sure they thought it was weird because they're like, we're just a punk band from nowhere and we're, you know, what are San Diego, they're from somewhere like that. And they're sort of being interviewed for UK TV. So it must have been weird for them, I guess. But I've digressed again. Chop all that out. Um, <laughs> so uh, actually, one of my um, one of my favorite bits on this whole thing is the several false starts on Thank God It's Monday. <laughs> Because you just hear the clicks and then they start and they screw up and they do that twice before getting it right. I mean, it's a tricky riff to start with. It is. But I also like the fact that there's no time between the clicks as well. It's like, nope, click, 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 click. I've had to count then. Let's start again. Nope, one, two, three, four. And then it starts properly. <laughs> and I, I think that that's really, really cool. And it starts with the cool little... Monday no. is my favorite time, time of, of year. year. Yes, a deceptively short song that. Yes. 1 minute and 40 and it feels like it's really it feels like it's longer, not in a bad way. It feels like there's a lot to it, but yeah. I feel like um, that with a lot of no effect songs to be fair, like they are yeah. super short but they certainly feel like full songs. Yes. Um yeah, we got clams have feelings too actually they don't um it, it's fine it's not not one of my favorites mm. uh oh we got so we got the final in the Liza and Louise trilogy so is like is there a point in which mike comes out as uh as a member of the queer community in their discography i'm a transvest light oh so it's like that late you would say well, you see, I don't. I think that this one is. I sort of see when Mike stops talking so much about his love of plus size lesbians, <laughs> is when it's clear a part of him sort of identifies as a plus size lesbian. <laughs> yeah, sure. Not, not. Not that he does identify. He, he's he's a man. He identifies as as a man, but um, but certainly, I think I understand enjoy- what you mean. Like he feels adjacent yeah. with that community. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, identifies more with them than say a typical bloke, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know all that kind of thing, and um. And I sort of feel like this one feels quite heavy petting zoo in tone. Mm. 
in that yeah. it's a little bit yeah. slower. It's I think it's got more of a tune, like melodically and stuff. Um, but also, but this one feels a lot longer than one minute forty nine, and I don't know why. To me, I've always thought that this was like a really long song, and it really isn't. Yeah, sure. But uh, did you have any feelings on uh, on Louise? Um, you know, like I think it's interesting seeing the progression of Mike's songs about you know BDSM mm. and how we started in S and M Airlines with it being sort of like quite um, joked about and almost like looked looked down on. And now it's I feel a, like we're... I'll never fly S and M Airlines again because you know when. <laughs> When this Dom was doing all this stuff to me, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't, didn't, didn't like it. Yeah, it's very much like the lady doth protest. Too Absolutely, much. it is. Yeah, but I feel like now we're getting to a point where he's a lot more accepting of his enjoyment around it, and you know, is letting go of any fear or shame associated with it. It does, although I think that that is in the background of um, his drug use yes which this is the first time that's come to the fore Mm. i don't think i mean for a start the album title explicitly references valium and you've got um you know a pharmacist's daughter and hirawana yeah i mean i feel like because i always think like so long like uh mike sounds quite clean in the way that what he's writing about and generally how he sounds in the album it sounds like he is potentially living a cleanish life around then um not necessarily teetotal but like at this point it feels like he's very much leaning into his drug phase yes and some people feel that there's a decline ironically Mm. Um, and and I think I don't. I think he started doing stuff here, and I don't think it reaches the the heady heights that it will eventually. Yeah, because I mean, like, like I would say this into errorism, but definitely like coaster. Yeah, is like when you know. Has that got um, I'm an alcoholic on it? Yes. Yeah. First call. Yes. Um, yeah. And so the, the hedonistic aspect of it is beginning to appear, which is which which will become a, a much stronger theme. Because I remember, I remember when the uh, the banter, the stage banter, changed. Yeah. And it became a lot less about, sort of could be about anything, to being about how much he wants to do another line of coke or how he's not on enough drugs to be doing this show or and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And whilst it was still able to be funny, it became a lot more predictable, which I think is... Which is a shame because it used, it used to... You wouldn't... You couldn't tell. It would be about what they did that day or anything like that or like pointing out people in the audience yeah i think that i i consider this to be the start of the drug thing rather than i I think it overshadows the step in uh mike's sexuality yes i think you're right but if you know where to look then you can see the sexuality that kind of thing (laughs) 
Hello everyone, Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. Stranger than fishing. It's just about how they're not very good. <laughs> We're fine, you know. I mean, it's it's a minute long. Um, it's pretty fun though. Um, the pharmacist's daughter. I I do like. I think it is a good song musically. And yep, using a woman to get to her father's stash. It's pretty right on but you know it's it's it is a it is very clearly a joke song and i um i do like it i think it is a good one yeah i'd say I like that those are probably the two that um you know i can take or leave um, oh they're not they're, they're not um they're not standouts but, but you they... want you want to sort of like you know you know av- average songs before we get into bots of the ground which is you know absolutely a highlight um so i mean it's musically it's kind of leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the album mm. just for that sort of slightly syncopated round at the end one more round there's one more and all that stuff and the, yeah. the harmonies on that are great and it's um yeah so good yeah like i do think that there is and i can understand why people aren't as keen on this and why people might say that uh, mike's drug use detracts from the rest of the album but i actually think if you if you if you give it its due and you, you pay attention there's plenty of evidence of um you know like decent songwriting decent production mm. um everybody's playing their instruments well and to the best of their abilities oh i i don't think this is one of the albums that's sort of tinged by the drug use yet mm. i think it's it's become a it's become a an extra topic rather yeah. than the only topic if that makes sense yeah because I remember, uh, I remember when um, the the next album came out, um, "War on Errorism." Um, I remember someone asking if I'd heard it. I said, "Yeah," and they said, um, "Oh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't think No Effect should be singing about politics and stuff, really." And I said, "Why not?" You know, I don't know. I think they're just better when they do songs about like smoking weed. I'm like, what weed songs are No Effects got? Who do you think they are? Sublime. <laughs> it's like it's, it's just I'm just like is that what you think they do? What right, point out which ones? And like, there are songs oh. that mention like smoking weed. Yeah. Um but like there's one there's one on this on this album. Yeah. But it's not you know, it's not sort of it's not like not like literally Green Day who are named after a day where you don't do anything but smoke weed. You know, it's 
for example. You know, there's, there's plenty of weed bans out there, and no effects are not one of them. Um, mm. But yeah, but it's just one of those things people sort of go, oh, you know, they, they do songs about getting pissed and that. I'm like, mm, sort of. I mean, they, they would go on to do much more drinking songs after War on Errorism, but anyway. Um, yeah. yeah um, Total Bummer. What I like about uh, Total Bummer is um, it's got one of those really flappy bass intros where the bass strings sound really loose. It's just really funny to me. <laughs> Don't know why. But uh, but yeah, that one's sort of... It's quite melancholy, that one. It's just sort of is, about... Is that the mid-tempo one? No, it's the go away, sunny day. Oh, yeah. It's about being uh, ugly and alone. I'm like, who's married at this point? <laughs> okay, again, not all song, not all Fat Mike songs are about Fat Mike. So that's he does sing from a lot of different people's perspectives, which yeah. is, I think, probably what what leads to a lot of confusion when people say, "Oh, his songs are about smoking weed." It's like, oh no, he's done songs about someone else who smokes weed. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I think if you, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember there was. Um, there's a band called China Drum who I love from uh, the Northeast who are actually just reforming and may well be putting out new stuff. But they uh, they underwent a bit of a change after their second album. They rebranded as The Drum and released an album. And, um, and I cannot remember the name of it. Uh, I can't remember the name of this particular song, but it's basically a song from the perspective of uh, a man perpetrating domestic violence and i remember sort of having a conversation with someone who goes i can't believe he wrote that song about beating his wife I'm like well i don't know if he wrote a song about him doing that mm-hmm. i i get the impression it's a cat it, you know it could be based on a book he read or a film he watched or something you know that people do that and it's like, well, also he had songs, you know, he had a song about someone who was sort of um, held hostage by burglars while they ransacked his house. And then this guy just hulks out and beats fuck out of him. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't think that happened to him. If someone's got a history of writing character songs. Yeah. If you find something really, really quite shocking, you know, it. Christian Bale didn't behave like Patrick Bateman off screen, <laughs> you know, playing a role. It's, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that that, I think he uh, doesn't get credit for doing that quite often. Mm. Anyway, then we come to my least favorite portion of this album. Yeah, sure. My Vagina. I I kind of like, I find it, it's weird that you put it here in the album as well. Like normally their um, silly songs go higher up. Yeah, it just it just doesn't sit right. I just sort of, it's kind of, it's sort of one of those pondery, ploddy songs that doesn't really, it reminds me the most of Heavy Petting Zoo. It reminds me of a less heavy um, hot, hot dog, dog in a in hallway. A... Yeah, absolutely. It's cut from precisely the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Shit cloth. <laughs> um, 
but yeah it's sort of it's um a couple of sort of semi-cute lines in there um i mean we could analyze this uh using queer theory and uh that would be uh, a disaster so we maybe won't but it's sort of <laughs> I, I do think this is him uh, attempting some sort of connection with the community but i don't think it reads i think it's almost as if like he's trying to show some understanding of uh, the transgender community but then also he's like yeah but i am also still like this super cool punk rock dude so maybe i'll make it a little bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit rude yeah well it's got that bit it's uh now i get to hang with lesbians um um there's also um long before it was a uh, topic of conversation as if it uh my friends think it's weird but that doesn't bother me and i was like you know there's a sort of a certain level of acceptance being talked about them oh, my friends think it's weird but at no point do my friends think it's uh disgusting amoral you know and all that kind of thing you know it's like oh my friends think it's weird but you know that doesn't and then the reason he's not bothered or she's not bothered in this case um the character's not bothered is because now i kick their ass from the ladies tea so I'm like, is this a song about someone having gender reassignment surgery in order to excel in women's sports? Because that's a very new conversation compared to the age of this. And also, <laughs> it's not really, it's not, it's not how it goes. But um, I don't think that's been a problem in golf so far. <laughs> I mean, my understanding is that, you know, the trans women aren't excelling in any particular sporting category. Um, no, no. That's, um, I mean, if I think of all the trans people I know, not athletic. Well, and you know, I don't want to get into all the politics of it, but my understanding is... No, 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 of course, we're we're a music podcast, yeah. Usually, uh, when issues do arise in sport, they tend to start at the college level. And then that, the the rules made at a college level then tend to be adapted to uh, higher up professional uh, leagues. And there, there is currently like no real problem in college sports with transgender athletes therefore that we probably shouldn't be pushing through the legislation and policies that we are with uh mainstream sport because there doesn't seem to be an endemic problem well that's very interesting red thank you for putting that forward now uh, for the sake of balance uh we're going All to right, get bbc <laughs> we're going to we're going to get a maniac who doesn't know anything to shout at you for about three times as long as you were permitted to speak. <laughs> <clears throat> Balance. See, we're, we're just, just asking like, questions. We're just like the mainstream media. <laughs> we're, ju- we're just like all the best bro podcasts. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, sorry, sorry for that little diversion. But uh, you know, we do have a uh, we we have a, uh, a a dog in the fight, as it were. But uh, I, I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't mind. Not, not any... that we want to do any sport ever. Oh God, no, 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 um, <laughs> no, no, no. We're just, oh, absolutely not. No, we just, we just do fall under the umbrella of trans. So um, <laughs> I'm quite close to the edge of the umbrella, by the way. Occasionally, I do get a drop of water down the back of my neck. I will point that out. Uh, people sort of go, "Do you represent the trans community, Eddie?" I, I don't want to know. I think, uh, I think a lot of people are much better at representing it than I. So. Um, uh, no, I don't want to do any sports whatsoever. Uh, you can have it all. Thanks. Gosh, a lot of this is getting cut out. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
Yeah, I think, I don't think, I, I just sort of, I don't know if I'd be a bit more um, on board with it if it wasn't for the fact that I think musically it's just not great. And and also to give Mike another benefit of the doubt, I can't oh, yeah. help but think like this is a song about him wanting a pussy. <laughs> or enjoying the idea of thinking about it for a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um and it's and a yeah, gate, it's a gateway song to some of his later writing, which does explain his his views on this uh, with a little bit more depth. The sort of the the forced feminization kink and those kind of things. Yes, it's 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 a way of letting off some of that steam while still going ha ha fannies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, you know, and you know that that that's how these uh, that's how these journeys go. Um, we then get uh, possibly the the biggest drug song on here. Actually, definitely the biggest drug song on here, Hiroana, which is from what I can glean, and it's pretty transparent what it's about. It's not uh, it's not hidden one mm-hmm. about um, you know how drugs are good, but he means it this time. <laughs> Yeah, because it, it, I, I was always, I, I was surprised to hear that on HoFX, the EP, when he does Drugs Are Good, it's kind of like a sarcastic song, which to me, it, it doesn't come across that way. It doesn't always, but I think when, when you do, when people think that you're cool, that's the line in it for me that makes it sound like... But he does think that later in his career. Yeah, he does. I swear he... he sings that with like full conviction on Coaster. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think he absolutely does. But at that point, at the point of record and release, I maintain that he he thought... Uh, well, I mean, I, I do know the story. He basically... Uh, something his mum said to him when he was very young was, um, you're too smart to do drugs. Doing drugs will make you less smart. And then obviously, because your brain doesn't stop growing until you're like 25, 26 or something, if you do drugs before then um then that changes the way your brain grows or mm-hmm. could do i don't know if it actually does or not but um that's why he was like he was in his 30s or so before he tried drugs and then he's like so that didn't have the effect on me and i don't know whether there's any science to this or whether he was told this by a guy who really wanted to sell him some cocaine it sounds like the sort of thing you'd do if you were desperate to uh, you go wait a minute there's a successful professional you know rock star over there who doesn't do drugs well somebody's getting a new customer i don't know i honestly don't know um because at this point he's still um he's still talking about weed as well because he doesn't really like weed but in this there's a few songs about smoking weed that he likes mm. theme from a no effect uh, buy me a bex beer or pass me a bong yeah it's interesting um and uh in hiruana uh light the match burn the flower i don't think he's talking about heroin because uh, i don't think he's ever done heroin but you know burn the flower i imagine would be weed wouldn't it yeah i don't know of any other flower drugs yeah, no, because you're right. It would either be that or heroin. Yeah, it's a very strange extreme that flowers 
produce either weed or heroin. Oh, one, oh, the two genders. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so heroin. But I do like. Um, I think the but there is actually a point to it. There's a very annoyed point about how it's very easy to buy booze and not. You know, it's a it's a, a hypocrisy song. You know about why is it okay to be able to you know get huge amounts of scotch, for example, and you can't buy some coke. Yeah, and you know, again, another message that is repeated throughout the later part of NoFX's discography. I'd go on to say repeated ad nauseum, but. Uh... <laughs> But from someone who doesn't do drugs, I suppose it might not cut the same as for people who do enjoy drugs. I think that there comes a point where Mike suddenly settles on just having three topics. (laughs) Drugs, kinky sex, and very old punk stories. Or just sort of punk, the punk subculture that he grew up in in general. And we're still seeing slightly wider variety of topics being covered at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I'd be a little bit more uh, generous to that. I, th- I think he's got a couple more. Well, you know, like he does songs about the government being bad. Sure. Um, <laughs> the Yeah, no, well, the political stuff, again, the political stuff kind of tails off as well. But at the moment, mm, yeah. um, at the moment we're about to get into much more political because like war on errorism was sort of directly political wolves is like social commentary writ large with a a political bent and then what do we get after wolves do we get coaster after wolves yes and coaster as i recall is um has less political commentary maybe like you know um Snakes we, and ladders. We called it America. <clears throat> oh yeah. Um, blasphemy. Yeah, blasphemy and best god in show is a bit more sort of atheistic. Yeah. Without any sort of, it's not like the Christian right. It's just the Christians, I suppose. Hmm. But. Um, yeah, uh, Eddie, Bruce and Paul, probably the most political statement he's ever made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so there, there is that kind of thing. But anyway, with uh, Pump Up the Valor, after we've had uh, Hirawana, uh, which I do like. I do like it. I think it is uh, good. Um, I think it starts off with that lovely sort of... It's very tense to begin with. And then when it explodes into the main, you know, happiness can be bought for, you know, that's really great. Like, musically, I think it's wonderful. And another song that on paper, like I could have sworn was longer than 2 minutes 46. Yes, it is one of the longer ones on here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then we, um, yeah, How My Vagina is Shorter Than Hiroana boggles me, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, and then we finish with a uh, theme from a No Effects album. Which is, you know, the last song we will have heard No Effects play live in. It is, yes. Theory. The new version with the updated characters. But this is when this is when 
I started to pay attention to the characters. Or not the characters, but their crew. Because yeah. you're like, who are these people doing the voices on it? Who's Limo? Who's, you know, Timmy the Turtle appears on here. All that kind of stuff. So we get right at the end, we get all of their crew, their friends, their their family to be hardcore about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, doing the stuff at the end. And it's, um, I think it's sort of, I think it's a very interesting one because, you know, who who's written songs about introducing their own band? Yeah. It seems... Uh, well, like, you know, that a lot of bands do this sort of thing, but, you know, it, it, it tends to just appear in the live set. It rarely, rarely songs like this actually get added to a studio album. Yeah, and I, I just wonder what sort of made him go, right, I think, uh, well, I'm going to write this polka song about us. Uh, right? Like, you know, okay, yeah, so what we're going to do is, uh, and then, you know, it's got the, the sort of the close harmony. So, yeah, it's it's a curious song, but I do like it. And then it... Um... Do, do you know if, like, could El- Eric Melvin play the accordion before they, like, wrote this song? Or did he, like, learn it for this song? A fine question, I honestly couldn't say. He must be able to have played it previously, right? You'd think so, because that's a tall order. I'm just having a look here. It doesn't... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't say on his Wikipedia when he first took his accordion lessons, but uh, <laughs> sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But yeah, it's. Um, I think it is. I think it is fun. I wouldn't use this one to introduce someone to No Effects. Ironically, they're intru- being introduced in the song, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You know, it's because it is sort of. Yeah, it's 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 a funny old one anyway, but yeah. What, what I would probably your... play it to someone if I was taking someone to see No Effects who hadn't seen them before, you know, like I'd probably give them a few things to listen to. We've spoke previously about how the decline is a good way to get someone into kind of like what they do. Mm. Um but I, I think I would play them theme from a No Effects album to be like, Oh, they normally close on this. Yeah. It's good for the context of like what they do on stage. Yes, I suppose it is, isn't it? It's um Yeah, and I think it gives gives you some of their attitude because yeah, they're they're perfectly happy to spend four minutes playing a polka song. Yeah. And then and then you know, they they, they do their thing. And uh, and I think when it does kick in it is really, really exciting. You've got a nice solo in there as well. Uh yeah, I think it's um Yeah, I like I I do like it. But it is, um, yeah. There's just something. I don't know. This album, I rem- I I remember feeling that this album was very depressing. I don't know why. I think, and I get what you mean. Like, I wonder, and only Mike can answer this. If he was feeling any sadness at the time, because mm. I get the feeling that around this part of his career. He's, it's probably a little bit of a transition period, you know, like you're coming out of so long into, you know, the second half of your recording career. And there might be a little bit of like, you know, uncertainty over exactly what uh, route you're going to take, exactly what you're going to 
write about you know what your inspirations are going to be in this second half of your discography and I, yeah i wonder if that's causing any anxiety or sadness uh for him personally perhaps um because i i, I kind of know what you mean and i also hear that sort of sadness on um you know on war and errorism on coaster um a little bit in wolves but less in wolves yeah i think um i think um first ditch effort is a very sad album in oh, a okay. way but it doesn't feel as maudlin as say single and double album mm. which are really depressing and not in a sort of intriguing way more in a sort of i don't know because well, it's the decline isn't it <laughs> <laughs> predicted their own decline maybe yeah i don't know i've i've always considered this album to be kind of depressing other people may well feel differently but i and i don't know why it could be i've attached how i was feeling at the time because let me see when this came out june the 13th 2000 so i would have just turned 17 Mm. and i don't know if my general demeanor gives it away but i'm not someone who's been happy a huge amount of the time so uh, <laughs> particularly not in my teen years so maybe maybe that's got something to do with it but yeah anyway what, so what are your ultimate feeling what are your highlights of this I, you know i i have to say like i know because i feel like we've we've not been resolutely uh positive about this album but i do want to be super clear like this is one of my favorite NoFX albums, and this is one of the albums that I can listen to start to finish. Mm. Uh, hey, I might skip my vagina, but like sure. I, I do for. listen to this one quite a bit. It's one that I choose to listen to, maybe because I'm less familiar with it than some of their 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 bigger albums and some of my more like my personal favorites. Yeah, but um, it is an album I really like. I love the sound on it, and I feel like it's um sort of like sits right in the middle i'd say I know obviously we, we've said earlier it does literally sit right in the middle of their discography but as, in terms as it of currently like, stands yeah like chronologically but in terms of like favorite to worst or, or least favorite uh this probably also sits right in the middle for me fair enough i i do like it i think it's in the the top half mm, yeah for me um and I and I do like it, and there's some great stuff on it. What's the matter with parents today? Dinosaurs will die. Uh, bottles to the ground. Those three songs alone are absolutely brilliant. But I do like the rest of them as well. Again, my vagina. I don't really like, but it feels like it feels like it could have been left over from heavy petting zoo, um, which to my mind is not not the best thing. Um, but I'm sure there's someone out there who absolutely loves it and that's great. I'm pleased. But yeah, so it's um I tell you what, it got uh, it got good reviews. Yes. Rock Hard, which is a German magazine, gave it nine out of ten. Punknews.org gave it four out of five. Um Oxfanzine, um again another German well, it's Germany, they 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 love no effects. Uh gave it a favorable review. All music currently gives it a uh, four out of five i feel like at this point in their career like they're very much established as in like they've had two 
like you know really well performing albums in punk and and so long so yep. at this point um whether you think this like the music they're making at this point is better than their previous music i would have imagined they're probably playing to their the biggest audiences that they have yes i i think so yeah no no they're definitely they're, they're definitely at the highest they've been so far mm. rock sound which is a uk magazine they put it at number 17 of the 51 most essential pop punk albums of all time list of all time wow of all time sure okay i mean and the only reason i'm like a bit confused by that i'm like but where are the other no effects albums <laughs> of of all the no effects albums i wouldn't have chosen this one um but of course i wouldn't we know what i'd have chosen but um that's <laughs> but also it's that fucking um sort of gaseous term pop punk which doesn't really mean anything but but also like i i feel like this is an album that this doesn't scream pop punk to me and maybe i'm an idiot for thinking that but i think that they've done other albums that feel much more pop punky i think this yeah uh, i suppose it's not quite hardcore but, no, but I, I know what you mean. But that's why I don't. I, I find the term pop punk to be virtually meaningless. Yeah, it's difficult to talk about, isn't it? Because you, you say pop punk to people, and obviously we mean no effects, rancid, and uh, you know, well, whoever lagwagon. But then, like you say pop punk to a teenager these days, and they think you mean knocks loose, and yeah. the the other the young ones that I I don't. Well, I, I don't even sort of really think of sort of No Effects and Rancid and Lagwagon as pop punk. I've sort of, I, I mean, Rancid aside, I always thought that was sort of when people said skate punk, they meant 90s US punk that doesn't sound like 77. Sure. Basically, um, Rancid like punk rock, I yeah. suppose, you know, that kind of thing. Again, all of this people will be arguing about and I fucking hate these genre things but that's why i find pop punk so useless because it used to mean to my to my memory it used to mean like green day were pop punk because they sounded a bit like the ramones it was that sort of three chords catchy thing you know like screeching weasel and the queers and that kind of band but they're called Ramones Core now. That's become a thing, you know, like um, Teenage Bottle Rocket or uh, the Lillingtons. Like all of that was pop punk. Like, I, and I now feel... it isn't. And so I don't know. This is a bit old man yells at cloud. I get it, but um, it it it's why I don't I don't like the term pop punk because I, I never know what someone means. Yeah, and I, I feel very strongly in, and it's not just uh, localized to music, but uh, genre generally doesn't have to be singular there's there seems to be this prevailing belief that um uh, something is one genre and one genre alone and that and that and, and i mean that in terms of like movies tv right. as well as music i mean so i am a huge alien fan i love alien in <laughs> fact on the, the day of recording last night i watched uh the extended cut of aliens and Alien 3 back-to-back. Wow. Um, my girlfriend's very lucky. And a lot of people online 
will do some of the most dumbest arguments. I've seen so many movie forums like have so many so much discussion over whether Alien is a horror film or a science fiction film. I'm like, yeah. guys, it can be both. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, you know, I would say it's narratively a horror film, but I, yeah. I don't know. But but it, it it's about aliens. Yeah. Does that not give away the fact it's set on a spaceship? There's there's plenty of science fiction in Alien. Like I just don't think yeah. that it's, well, it's one like, or you the know, other. Well, like Event Horizon. Yeah. It's quite clearly it's a horror movie set in space with science to explain why they're in space. It's a sci- it's, hey, look, we're, we're non-binary. We understand that sometimes you're not one thing or the other, but somewhere can, in between. <laughs> we understand the concept of containing multitudes. It's, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's it, you know. And um, but some people want to break everything up. We sort of go, um, oh well, the gatekeepers, uh, aren't they? I don't yeah, know. or social distortion or a punk band. Well, cow punk. What? <laughs> it's it's punk, but with a country. And it's like, okay, fine. It's the you know all this they, sort of genres you know. should only be used as sort of like shorthand labels of how to describe things. So like if you're yeah. trying to describe them to someone who doesn't know what it is, like these are quite useful descriptors. They are, but only if everyone agrees on what pop punk actually means. Ah, because if I said, "Oh, no effects of pop," well, punk, Eddie, uh, what is a woman? Well, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> I've never met one, nor do I intend to um but you know that's the that's the thing it, it can be a lot of things and that's the you, difficulty with it all you can't define a chair you can't like but you no can. no one can but four, you, you go like four legs and a back and you're like oh what is this like is a, this cow a chair yeah i don't know what a woman is but they don't like being called that oh if it was a woman with four legs that would be interesting wouldn't it uh really throw a spanner in the works for the uh the gender specific but anyway um it's yeah no you can't you can't define things too too clearly and i don't think uh what we can do is say that yes pump up the valum good it's yeah. good but and I, and I think it signals a lot of changes and it's interesting that it is a millennium album because i think it shows a marked change in some of the things between the no effects of the 80s and 90s and the no effects of the noughties, nought teens and nought twenties. Yeah, absolutely. Sign of things to come. Yes. Um, so, yep, we're over halfway on their album releases now. I think next time there's a couple of EPs before their next full length. Surfer which is another Fuck the Kids style EP with 14 songs on it that takes about 13 minutes to listen to. Mm -hmm. So we should really add something on top of that. And then one after that is the BYO Split Series Volume 3, where No Effects and Rancid cover each other's songs. That's exciting. Isn't it? Um... Oh, wow. Interestingly, um, they don't even get on with it and do War on Errorism after that because they've got their best of, or sorry, not their best of, their rarities and B-sides album to put out after that. Oh, that's exciting. So we need to have a discussion over what we're doing next, really. 
Well, the thing is, the 45 or 46, we've been covering a lot of these songs yeah. in the EPs as they come out. So I think the next time we do an EP after that album was released, we might see if there's any songs exclusive to that album and just include them. Because we've gone over a lot of those songs already. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so next time we do one of these dives onto their releases, we're going to be doing Surfer and BYO Split Series Volume 3. That's exciting. Very, very exciting. So, um, oh, let's just uh, jump over on into the outro. Well, I think those were entirely correct and reasonable opinions on pump up the valum but i am not going back to listen to the episode to check so we'll just <laughs> we'll just have have that um oh i uh, i got a few um bits of fan correspondence oh great um certainly i um where are we i'll just get the emails up um <laughs> From uh, Matt Lane, uh, an email named Golden Boys. Oh, yeah, about the... um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, Said, um, uh, been binging the podcast since I discovered it and have been enjoying it a lot over the last few weeks. Great. I was recently... Oh, sorry. I was listening to your conversation about the song Golden Boys recently. I've always loved that song, and I thought I would add something to add that wasn't mentioned in the discussion. Great. Before NoFX covered it, the Dickies released a cover version of, uh, on their album Idiot Savant in 1995, mm. which sounds like it might have influenced the NoFX version. Uh, the Dickies version is also great, and you can tell they've taken some elements of it. So almost a cover of a cover. Recommend uh, the Dickies version. It's one of my favorites. Anyway, keep up the good work. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for that insight as well. I really appreciate stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. I didn't know the Dickies had done a cover of it. I really like the Vagina Dentata version. I've listened to that uh, mm. a few times since we've done that. Because um, we're uh, like no more experts than anyone listening to this podcast, I would no. imagine. You know, oh, like no, no. Uh, we're just two knobheads with microphones. But like I- I'm always interested in, you know, the bits that we've missed. Um, oh, yeah. So if you do have any facts like that, please, you know, get in touch, share them. Punkrockeletepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also a, uh, a, sh- a, a, a a shout out to Timo the Barber. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, who got in touch and I never mentioned it on the podcast, I don't believe. So I'm going to now. Um, and uh, Timo the Barber, I, I dropped a, uh, a sticker in the post for you. Uh, because it was very easy to track down the address of the place where you work because it's on your Insta account because that's how you get business. So not weird, <laughs> everything's fine. Um, but yeah, so you you uh, you got in touch and you said some proper nice things and uh, um, we just completely blanked you. So to apologise, we've sent you a little sticker. I don't know if your is yours is the sort of barber where you put stickers uh, all over the place, but uh, there you go. Some people have received our stickers. Unfortunately, we're not really in a position to be able to sort of send them out all over the place. Um, but uh, we do have a few. If you ever meet us in person, Red and I will probably have them on our person. Yeah, should do. And uh, happy to let you have one. So, uh, but until then, uh, I think that's about it. So we're going to say thank you and goodbye. 
So we'll see you next time for some sort of interview or maybe something different. <laughs> oh, or just another song. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Red. Thank you, Eddie. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scrapes and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.